0: and um this morning we're going to uh the message is going to be about the topic of redemption redemption and uh, this is a uh a, a critical uh critical word and i guess a principle the study to understand in the bible in order to uh understand well, several things but uh, one thing we're going to be focused on a little bit is uh, understanding redemption in light of what's coming in the future and as far as heaven and the new earth. And uh, I had the opportunity to preach a couple weeks ago and we looked at a message about heaven. This is uh, kind of along the same lines, but um, it's going to not really be specifics about heaven. We're going to be focusing on the topic of redemption. I believe if we have a proper understanding of God's plan for the ages, and God's plan of redemption, that will give us the right mindset to understand what heaven is going to be like. And of course, redemption is, there's so much that goes along with it, so we're going to try to... Uh, go through it here, and uh, I'm basically going to try to go through Genesis to Revelation in about 15 minutes. So, <laughs> no, well, not quite that bad. But uh, um, well, let's. Uh, but we will start in Genesis here, and we're we're, we're going to go through. And um, before I read here in Genesis, though, I mean, to redeem, it literally means to to buy back, to purchase something, to buy something back. And uh, we're going to start off the message by looking at God's original creation, His original purpose for creation, and how it was when it was originally created, and then corruption, the fall of sin, the curse, all that is involved with that. And God's Redeemer, that would, would be the, the one to, to perform God's plan of redemption, and The price of redemption. Redemption always implies a price that must be paid in order to purchase something. And so we'll look at, uh, of course, what the Bible says about that. And then we'll look at uh, redemption in the future, what what all this means. And the the purpose of this message is one, uh, I guess, kind of a dual purpose. One to give us an eternal perspective on life, where we're thinking more about eternity and about the future for us as Christians, and also uh, for those who are here who may not be Christians, who are lost, you do not know for sure whether or not you are part of God's plan of redemption. If you are one of the redeemed, please pay attention to this message. This would be a very important message uh, for all of us here. But So we're going to start off in the book of Genesis, and um, start looking at uh, God's original uh, original creation. And Genesis chapter 1, of course, is where God creates the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And how he originally created it is a little bit different than how it looks today. Things have changed dramatically since creation, which was approximately... 6,000 years ago. And, uh, of course, the curse of sin changed things dramatically. And then the judgment of the flood really changed things up dramatically. Um, but let's... Uh, so let me just read Genesis one thirty one. says, "...and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God made everything very good initially." And uh, before we go any further, we're actually going to uh, pause and uh, ask the Lord's blessing on this message. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to look at your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. We pray that you would uh, fill me with your spirit and give me the words to say. We pray that you would... Um, that uh, you your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and lives. If there's any here that don't know you as their Savior, that you would work on, on their hearts about that. And we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the earth. He creates mankind. creates everything, all that is therein. And he sees everything as is very good. Uh, the earth was originally made very good. There's a lot of things about our earth today that are not, cannot be defined as very good. I'm sure we can all think of several things. as <laughs> No, for one, in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, I know a lot of disagreement out there. But, uh, you know, I would definitely label that as part of the curse of sin. <laughs> no, but, um, anyways... Uh, the Bible does have a couple of good things to say about snow. I have to say that because it's in the Bible. Anyways. Um, all right. Uh, but uh, when God originally created... You know, this was created without the curse of sin. Genesis one twenty nine. This says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree which is in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for me. Um, the earth was... One of the original intents of the earth was to abundantly provide for Man. And for the animals, but you know, abundantly provide. It was good. It was. We 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 would all all of man's original diet would have been simply, as verse twenty nine just says, every herb bearing seed, and the fruit of the tree yielding seed, and uh, that would be just for meat. And it would have been abundant. It would have uh, uh, before the curse, man would not had to labor very hard to produce food. It just happened. It was produced by the earth abundantly. But man still uh, did work, as we'll see. Uh, Of course, the paradise of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, kind of describes this paradise of Eden that God had made, which included the tree of life. I mean, the tree of life was physically present on the earth when it was originally created. It was the tree that you ate the fruit of and you live forever. (laughs) And uh, that was originally part of the earth. It is no longer. Um, And uh, so it was much different originally. And uh, the earth originally was created for God's pleasure. Revelation 4.11 describes for us. And let me read that verse to you really quick. Revelation 4.11 says, "...Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created." God created all things for his pleasure. And actually, you look at Genesis chapter 3, you see the Lord uh, walking in the cool of the garden. He was literally enjoying the garden of Eden, walking in the cool of the day in the garden. He, uh, God himself would, would, would take pleasure in his creation of earth, the planet earth. He does not do that today. But things have changed. Today, He's, he's not physically present here. Uh, and where he is here in in through the Holy Spirit, but this will this is something that will change in the future, and uh, so the, the earth was originally created very good, perfect in fact, you know, and and with the intent of of God's pleasure, of God's glory, and providing for man, and just being an all-around very wonderful place, like a very very good place. And uh, it's no longer that way, but that's how it was originally made. And uh, mankind, when man was originally made, let's look at Genesis 1, again in verse 26. It says, "...and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air." And over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So man was originally made in the image of God. This implies, you know, he was a living soul. Genesis two seven says, "God, man, we were created in the image of God with a living soul. We're different than the animals. Obviously, we have emotion, will, intellect, spirit." our purpose for the is much different than the animal where man is not an animal man was created in the image of God and with and with you know in the image of God with such things as what God would have too such as these things with, you know emotions and will and intellect and spirit and uh, so this is how man was originally created. He was originally, his intent was uh, one to rule over the earth, as we read in Genesis 26 and 27, to 28. Go on to say, you know, God commands man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, and every little living thing that moves upon the earth. This is man's original purpose. One of man's original purpose was to rule the earth, to have dominion over all of creation on the earth. And that was God's intent for man. Uh, One of God's original intents for man was to work. Genesis 2.15, The Lord Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God gave man a job to do. He gave him work. Work is inerrant in being human. You are wired to work. You were created to work. This is not something that will change when you go to heaven. You will not cease to be human. You will not cease to be made to work. This will continue. This will, in fact, be redeemed and be made much better than it ever was originally. All these things we're, we're listening, we're going through these, the things that things that were originally created, a lot of these were lost, but they will be regained. They will be redeemed. And um, man was originally made to live forever. Genesis 2.17, it talks about the tree of life. And uh, this is the. Uh, um, right, let's see. Uh, tree of, that's uh, that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, tree, uh, I missed my. Uh, I got the wrong verse here. There's a verse somewhere in Genesis chapter two that talks about the tree of life. <laughs> it's in there. I wrote down the wrong reference here. Um, but man, and eating it would uh, man would therefore live forever. Uh, and man was made to discover Genesis two eighteen. 18 uh, through 20. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. For, for Adam there was not found help meet for him. So God... Is, he, 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 he says it's not good for man to be alone. He's going to make it help me. But God doesn't just create Eve and give it to him right away. He, does, he he allows him to discover the fact that he's alone and that he needed a helpmate, and he does that by the animals. And you could you could put you know you could find more original purposes here by going through what Adam did with the animals and naming the animals and his dominion. He showed over them, but we're looking at the fact that Adam was made to discover this fact. You know that he was alone and he needed a helpmate. God allowed him to do that, and that that is something that is an error in our nature as well. We are made to learn to grow, to discover, to invent, to you know, to explore. That is an era in our human nature. That is how we are made. And, uh, you know, that's how Adam was originally made. And we are made to have relationships, Genesis 2.18. As we just read, it's not good for a man to be alone. Of course, our family relationship, marriage relationship, and, of course, our relationship with God, as Adam would have had originally here in the Garden of Eden. We were made this way. We are made to have relationships. And man was made innocent originally. Genesis 2.17, verse 25. Uh, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were innocent. They were without sin. They originally, man had the ability to sin or not to sin. He had the ability to make that choice. And, of course, that choice was made as we know it. Um, and man was originally made to glorify God. Isaiah forty three. In verse seven, and we, you could this is the last one we're going to look at. You can go throughout Scripture and, and find more that would be applicable to this. but um, Isaiah 43 verse seven says, Every, uh, "Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him." Just this reference here. the Lord is telling us, God originally made us." for his glory, to glorify God. That was our original purpose and intent. So God had created the world perfect, you know, and he created man and put man in it, and man was, was innocent, was sinless, and, and he, he had all these purposes that God had given, primarily to seek and to know the Lord and to glorify God. But along with this, you know, these other things that we mentioned, and then, of course, one day it was corrupted. It was corrupted. If we look back in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 details this that man had sinned and brought the curse upon all of creation. In Genesis 3, mentions also uh, Romans 8.22. I'm just going to read this one verse here for now. Romans 8.22, says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. In context, this is talking about all of creation waiting for redemption because all of creation is under the curse. All because of man's sin, everything was corrupted. The earth the animals, the universe, the, the, the planets, the stars, the elements, everything was corrupted because of man's sin. From God's original purpose, God's original plan for the ages he intended it to be, it was corrupted. It was messed up. It was ruined. It was, it was cursed because of sin. Because Adam was given a command... Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he ate of it. And he sinned. He disobeyed God's command. And, his cur- and, and the curse of sin was brought upon him. Death being a result of that curse. Let me read uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. A familiar verse to a lot of us. Romans 5 verse 12. So, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All, Adam's sin is passed on to all of us. We're all sinners by nature, and we're also all sinners by choice. We choose to sin each and every day, and we're also born sinners. It's an error in our nature now because we all come from Adam originally, and, uh, and his sin is passed down to us. The man's sin brought the curse upon all of creation. So, man's original purpose and intent, a lot of it was not able to happen now because of uh, that relationship with God was broken. Man was not able to fulfill his purpose of having fellowship with God, glorifying God, seeking God. Man was not able to fulfill his purpose of living forever. He was going to die now because of the sin. Uh, man is not able to fully fulfill his purpose of having dominion and rule over the earth because of the change of the curse resulting in the earth and, and, and the animals. And we, we, we honestly, today, we have no idea what it would actually be like for man to fulfill that original mandate of rule and dominion over the earth. Because we have really messed it up in a lot of ways. And because of sin, because of our sin. But we will see that come to fruition one day through redemption. So when we talk about redemption here this morning, we're talking about how God God is redeeming back His His original plan, His original intent for all of creation, for us, for the earth, for all of creation. and And, and, and what all that entails. And uh, God's creation, though, because of corruption, is not able to do what God had intended it to do. And the devil, of course, plays a big part of it. The devil is trying to corrupt every part of God's plan. The devil is the serpent in the garden that uh, led to this uh, corruption. He deceived Eve. And it's just every part. it permeates every part of God's original plan. Even you know uh, Genesis 127 says, you know, talking about the creation of man, he says that God made them male and female. The devil's even trying to corrupt that. Every part of God's original plan, God's original creation, the devil is trying to corrupt it. We've been learning in Teen Sunday School class about God originally created music and what all that involves and how the devil has corrupted music. And every little part, every little part, the devil is trying very hard to corrupt the works of God. And but this was one of the purposes, as we'll see, of the Redeemer coming. As 1 John 3 says, was to destroy the works of the devil, and we will see that come to fruition one day. But something, so something needs to happen to put God's plan back on track. God was certainly not caught by surprise that man sinned, and there's a lot to understand as far as the sovereignty of God and the and the, and the free will of man. God allowed man to make the choice to sin. But he knew it was going to happen, because he knew it was going to happen, because of his foreknowledge, because of his sovereignty, he he already had a plan in place. The Bible says from before the creation of the world, God had the plan of redemption put into place. And that plan of redemption, of course, centers around the Redeemer centers around the Redeemer. In Genesis 3.15, we have the first promise of the Redeemer immediately after the fall. In Genesis 3.15, uh, go, I'm going to go through and just kind of read a few verses here for time. sake. So Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise the head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So here's the first promise of the coming Redeemer. This is Genesis chapter 3. They had just been, the curse had just been pronounced. In fact, the curse is being pronounced in the in the context of these verses by God. And in verse fifteen, in the middle of this, he gives the promise of the coming Redeemer. He is speaking uh, he is speaking to the devil. He's speaking to Satan in this verse, says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The first promise of the Redeemer is a promise of a human. Coming that is of the seed of the woman, indicating a virgin birth, but a, but a human more powerful than Satan that will be wounded, but will also wound the devil and defeat the devil uh, through that. This is the first promise of the Redeemer. And then as we go through the Old Testament, the identity of that Redeemer is further and further revealed. Hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament. Talking about the Redeemer. Who is this Redeemer? Who will be this man that is going to come that will be more powerful than Satan and will defeat Satan, destroy the works of the devil, and restore creation to its original intent, and to its original state. Hundreds of prophecies talking about who this Redeemer will be. The Old Testament is filled with them. And we'll just go through a few of them. One, in Genesis 22, 18... It's revealed that the redeemer will be of the seed of Abraham, thus from the nation of Israel. It says, and in thy seed all the nations of the earth shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. This promise was given several times to Abraham. This was one of the times. The Redeemer is going to be from Abraham's seed. Uh, Further on, it was given, it would be of the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49.10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of people be. In Genesis 49.10, uh, This is going to come from Judah, one of the twelve sons of Jacob. So a little bit more specific now. And as you go through the Old Testament, it just gets a little bit more specific. A little bit more specific. And uh, 2 Samuel 7.12 is going to be from the house of David. "When When thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This redeemer is going to come from the line of David, who was, of course, of the tribe of Judah, who was, of course, of the seed of Abraham. and um, And in uh, Isaiah, book of Isaiah is, I mean, chalk. Full of prophecy. I mean, you you just study this topic out and you get to the book of Isaiah, like, oh wow, it's the entire book. It's like describing the coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer. It's it's an amazing, amazing study to go through the book of Isaiah. But here's just a few uh, talking about how the Redeemer not only would offer redemption to Israel, but to all of mankind, of course, and would extend to all of creation. Uh, Isaiah forty nine five says, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet I will be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my and my God shall be my strength. And verse six says and he shall and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to whom man despised, to whom the nation abhorred, to a servant of rulers, king shall see in arise, princes also shall worship, because the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose thee. And these verses are talking about the Redeemer of God. is like, is it, it's, it's, it's but a light thing to redeem just Israel, I'm going to redeem everybody, all of mankind, the Gentiles, everybody. And uh, so, just, and there's so many verses describing this throughout the Old Testament. But uh, another way it was revealed that the Redeemer would be born of a virgin, and that was Genesis 3.15 uh, kind of inferred that, but it's declared very plainly in Isaiah 7.14. So Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we could go on many prophecies. Just Micah 5 2, he would be born in Bethlehem. But thou, Bethlehem, efforts are, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. So, again, just another tidbit of, uh, uh, of information here, of revelation, if you will, of who this Redeemer is going to be. He's going to be from Israel, line of Judah, you know, a line of David. He's going to be born in, uh, of a virgin in Bethlehem. And it gives hundreds of prophecies, very specific prophecies, and there were people looking for this redeem and uh, and looking for this redeemer throughout the Old Testament time and into the New Testament time, as we'll see. But and then of course when you get to Isaiah chapter fifty-three, one of the tremendous chapters, talk about how the redeemer is going to suffer. There's going to be a tremendous price to be paid. For the redemption of all of creation, let me just read the first few verses of that no doubt where a lot of us are familiar with it but isaiah 53 I'll just read the first few verses here and uh, It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him, and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, and we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we could go on the chapter, just an amazing chapter uh, talking about what the Redeemer is going to do to justify many and to redeem his creation. It's going to have a tremendous price that that is to be that is to be that is to be paid for redemption. Um, and uh, so and then when when we get to the New Testament, we look at the book of Luke chapter one, just quickly, when the redeemer arrives, the Redeemer arrives in the New Testament, and of course, the center, I mean, the center the central theme of the whole Bible is redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, the New Testament it 's the arrival of this redeemer, you know he is here, he is coming, and, and, and it describes his life on earth and his death on the cross to pay the price of redemption and uh, you know in Luke chapter one, it details this and, and uh, in uh, verse uh, let me just read uh, verse twenty eight couple of verses, and the angel came in and said to her, speak, an angel speaking to Mary says, uh, hail, hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among, among women. And uh, verse 30 it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God given him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. So here you have Mary here, and you know, you could spend a lot of time. Studying this and preaching about this, but Mary is no doubt one of those Israelites who is looking for the coming Redeemer, and she knows, you know, the prophecies of who it's going to be, and that's going to be born of a virgin. And then imagine having the angel Gabriel, you know, show up to her, and she, it's going to be her. She is going to be the one that God's going to use to bring the Redeemer in the world. And and there were others looking for uh, for the Redeemer. Look at verse thirty, uh, Luke two, verse thirty eight. Um, well, let me, let, me actually, let me read verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Aster. And she was of great age and lived with her husband, with, and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore four, and four years, which parted not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise to the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So there's this group of people in Jerusalem. Looking for redemption, they understand the truth of the Old Testament that creation was made, you know, in this wonderful, good, perfect state, and it was corrupted. It was fallen, but there is going to be a redeemer that is going to come and was going to uh, purchase back God's original intent, and they are looking for that redeemer. And he arrives here in Jerusalem, and Anna. Of course, one of the first that gets to see him and spreads the news to those looking for the redeemer. Hey, the redeemer is here! Just an incredible time frame, I'm sure it would have been. And uh, but, and of course, the news goes through the life of Christ and how he lived and fulfilled all those hundreds of prophecies, uh, proving that he was indeed the Messiah and and had come to redeem the world. And um, and then, and then he he went to the cross to die on the cross. To pay that price of redemption, let's look at Ephesians chapter one here for a moment. The Bible has several about three or four times in the in the New Testament about says that we are re, the price of redemption was the blood of Christ. Excuse me, take a drink here. Ephesians chapter one. An incredible passage here talking about redemption. Verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of grace. And, and one of the verses here talking about the the uh, price of redemption. It is the blood of Christ. And But this chapter here is going through talking about how uh, God is going to verse 9. Let me let me just read uh, verse 9 here, a couple of verses. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He has purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are both in heaven and which are on earth in Him. And uh, so, just pulling these two verses out of this chapter, it's talking about redemption here. How God has made known unto us The mystery of his will, God's will, God's plan, God's purpose for eternity, for the ages, is to gather together all things uh, under one name, under the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, those which are in heaven, those which are on earth. He's going to restore things to how they were and make them even better. And this is the mystery of his will, as Apostle Paul refers to a few times but God's plan for the ages. God intends to redeem everything and bring it back to, uh, to what it was and, and much better than what it was, as we will see. Let me read uh, just one other verse at Colossians 1.14. It, uh, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And uh, so, just another verse talking about how the price of redemption was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and this was what he came to do. When Jesus Christ came to earth, came to the earth, he came to fulfill the prophecies. He came to live as a man, 100% man, yet 100% God, a perfect life that perfectly fulfills God's requirements for having a relationship with God, for going to heaven, for perfection. That is Obeying God, obeying God's law perfectly, and this—we as corrupted human beings cannot do that. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we—it's—it's it's in our nature to sin. We cannot stop sinning, and in fact, our sin against God is something that is. Uh, something that is the Bible describes as being very great against God and uh, an abomination and very abhorrent. And the Bible doesn't paint us in a very pretty picture when it talks about us standing before God as sinners. It makes us look really bad. And that's because we are really bad. We have been corrupted. We have corrupted ourselves through our sin. And because of that, we are unable to fulfill God's original purpose for us. One of those original purposes, of course, is to be with God forever, ever, in eternity, in heaven. We cannot do that with, because of our sin, in and of ourselves. We are unable to. We need a Redeemer. We need someone to solve this problem for us. This is who Jesus Christ was. He was the Redeemer. There will be, the Bible talks about several things that are going to be redeemed. And one of those, of course, is people humans. We are going to be redeemed through the work of Christ. And as Ephesians chapter 1 lays out for us, as we read in verse 7, we have redemption through Christ's blood. This is the price of redemption was Jesus Christ dying on the cross and suffering that horrible death, shedding his blood for us so that he could satisfy God's justice, satisfy God's holiness, so that the price of sin could be paid, the price of our sin, which is death, was paid through what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. And verse nine, so God has showed us His eternal, what is eternal is His plan you know, for the fullness of time. So it is when when time when the time of God's plan is complete, when time is completed, everything that God has intended to happen has happened. That will be at the start of the new earth. That is the ultimate destination of all of creation. Is the destruction of the present earth and the present heaven and the present universe and the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. That is when God the, that is the fullness of times. That is when God's plan will be completed. And we will once again be able to live as God intended us to live. So not once again. We, we never have yet. We will finally be able to do what God intended us to do. And um, but God is, this is something that will be done in Christ. And this is something that is only possible through trusting in Christ. As Ephesians 1.13-14 says, In whom ye also have trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, in the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory so to be a part of god's plan of redemption you have to have trusted in the gospel of the lord jesus christ This is the only way. And the Bible makes it very clear. For those who do not trust in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be condemned for eternity in the lake of fire as a just punishment for their sin. And that is what we all deserve because of our sin against God, holy and righteous and just God. But God made a way through his Redeemer... To, uh, to to give us salvation from that, and the as uh, the thirteen and fourteen talks about the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. God gives us that Holy Spirit as an earnest of this. is coming, You know, the, when when you when you place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, He indwells you with this Holy Spirit, and you're sealed. Then you can never you can never lose your salvation. You can't become Unsaved, you can't become unredeemed. God has purchased you, and as an earnest, almost like a, a proof, if you will, of, of the purchase, he puts the Holy Spirit in you and seals you with the Holy Spirit until the time of redemption, which will be coming in the future. And when, when all when the fullness of times, when all this is brought to a close, but uh, in Romans five eighteen, of course, Romans chapter five talks about how the Lord, as, as sin entered into the earth through Adam. Uh, so uh, uh, right, God will bring righteousness upon many through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Adam brought sin to the earth, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the second Adam that brings righteousness god 's righteousness it is only through trusting in Christ. We can be part of this redemption, but not only will people be redeemed, well it talks about how the earth will be redeemed multiple times we 've already read some and it 's talking about of course the new earth, what is coming in the new earth. Isaiah 45.18 talks about how God and the Lord says, I created, not, I, did, I created it not in vain. He created the world and the inhabitants therein. He says, I created it not in vain. God did not create this world, create us, create the universe, to just one day burn it all up and throw it away and be done with it. That's not God's plan. God does not relinquish one part of his, his original plan, his original, original creation. God is going to redeem Everything is going to redeem the earth. The new earth will be this earth redeemed and perfected. I actually believe it will have a lot of... that. I have, this earth is probably sometimes gives us glimpses of the new earth because it will, they'll be similar in a lot of ways. It will be this earth. It's almost like the one we're looking at now is, as, uh, as Paul said in First Corinthians 13, now we see through a glass darkly, we're we look we're looking at like a shadowy mirror image of what the earth is supposed to be. and uh, But it, it's not what we have right now. It's not what the earth is supposed to be. We were not created to live like this, to live like we are living now. The same with God's original purpose and intent for mankind, for man in general. You were not created to live for, you know go to school for 12 years, work a career for 40 years, get as many millions as you can, spend the next 20 years, if you're lucky, trying to have as much fun spending those millions with an old and decrepit body, and then die, and then you're done. That's not what you were made to live for. You weren't made to live for pleasure. You weren't made to live for yourself. You weren't made to live for your family. You weren't made to live for, you know, your hobbies. whatever. That's not what you were made to live for. You were made to live for God and with God in a perfect creation, in in a perfect relationship with God Almighty, the Almighty Creator, in a perfect relationship with the earth, with His creation, and using that to glorify Him and to please Him. We have a really big and powerful purpose that God has given us. And that is... Because we live in a sin cursed and corrupted earth, we lose our focus, we lose our sight. We get so bogged down by what's going on right here and now by this earth, you know, by COVID, by politics,
1: whatever it is,
0: we get so we, we, we lose our focus on it. Listen, God's plan of redemption is real. God's plan of redemption is coming, you know. We were made to live with God in the new earth forever. We're not made to live like this. This, this is this is sin. This is corruption. This is a curse. Things are messed up right now. Things. God did not create the earth. It it wasn't wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to have death. Wasn't meant to have sin. Wasn't meant to have violence. It wasn't meant to have dishonesty, corruption. This is not the real thing. We are living in a little bubble in a little parenthesis of the, of the span of eternity, God's eternal plan of ages. This year, you know, the Earth's only been here for 6,000 years, and I'm pretty sure the time's coming to a close, because we, the Bible tells us what's going to be happening in the end times. And we see those things happening. It's just a few thousand years, over a very, very, very long time of eternity. I think I think it was just last week that the pastor gave an illustration with the bird moving the earth. He tried to describe the length of time that eternity is. Mind-boggling. Don't live for here and now. Don't live for this world. Don't live for this life. This is just a little glitch in God's plan for the ages. Think about eternity. Think about heaven. Think about God's plan of redemption. Think about the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, that gave His own blood for you. and God the Father, who gave His only begotten Son to redeem us. And we don't deserve that in any way. Think about that. If you're a Christian already, you're saved. Don't get bogged down with the here and now. Think, spend your time with redemption in mind, with eternity in mind. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your weekends how do you spend your effort and your energy, you young people? How do you spend the strength of your youth right now? You're not going to have that for very long. This is the only time we have to serve God in this state, in a fallen and corrupted world. You know, Those of us who receive Christ and we get saved and we die and we go to heaven and, you know, and after all God's plan of the future, you know, it gets fulfilled and eventually the new earth is created. We live there in the new heaven and the new earth. That's, that's, that's going to be great. We're going to serve God. We're going to, it, it, nobody's not going to serve God, okay? It's going to be, there will be no sin nature. This time right here, this is the only time we have to truly show our Creator and our Redeemer how much we love Him. This is the only time we have when we have our fallen sin nature that fights us. We have the devil that is beating us down and tearing us apart. We have the world, the system of the world, that does everything it can to shut us down and go against us. We, we have this opportunity to live for God and to serve God right now. Going against all of that, you can truly show your creator love and service and worship right now. This is going to end. It might end for you tonight. You might not have another opportunity to, to truly show your love for God. Let's get serious about life. Let's live for eternity. And if you're not saved, if you don't know it, it's it's going to be even worse for you. You must get be part of this plan of redemption. You must accept Christ as your Savior. As Isaiah 45. Let me, let me, let me kind of close with this. I didn't get to too much of my message. I'm out of time. But let me close with this. Uh, Isaiah 45. Uh, Love this passage. This is the passage that Charles Spurgeon heard preached when he got saved. Uh, let 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 me start reading verse 18. It says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. I have not spoken in secret, dark place of the earth. I have not set into the seed of Jacob. Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare the things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, he that are escaped of the nations that have no knowledge, and set up the wood of their graven images, and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God, there is none else. Man, such a great passage right here. I tell you, I mean, just listen to this passage. If you, if, if you have not received Christ as your Savior. So this passage is going through, he's talking about, all the inhabitants of the earth are going after false gods. It's like anything that you're living for besides God. It's a false god. It's vain. And God is he's pleading with it. He says, listen to me. He says, I am the Lord. There is none else. I speak righteousness. I declare what is right. This is God. God is the only one who is true. He is the only one who is real. He is the only one who is right. Look unto him. Look unto him. Forsake everything else. It's all going to burn up. Look to God and be saved all the ends of the earth. So just a, a plea from God. It was very powerful. For us Christians, like I said, Titus 2.14 says, you know, um, mind's blank, can't quote it. Titus 2.14 talks about redemption and living for God. Let me read it. Uh, Titus 2.14. The Bible says, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify in Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Just, man, if you have that proper view of redemption, who Christ is, that's what will be zealous of good works for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, just a challenge here this evening to, or this morning, to think about redemption, God's plan for the ages. And uh, and I'm finished, Brother Jordan.